The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the Plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, welcome to Past Yet Present. I'm Marilyn Capp, spiritual medium and author of Love is Greater Than Pain. Those who passed share our need for love, understanding, and resolution. Together, we go from communication to collaboration. Welcome back to Past Yet Present. Today, we have Deb, who's visited with us before, along with her son, Connor, and Dad Gary joins us today. Welcome. Deb and Gary, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, hi. Hey, so what would you like us to know about you? I'll tell you a little bit about Gary first, and maybe I'll let him tell you about me. How's that? That is lovely. Wait, when Gary and I met years ago, he was, gosh, he was building a foundation, a charitable foundation house. And after we got married, he got into sales, and then there was a brief time after that, he became a pool cleaner and then went back to school and got a teaching credential. And from there, he went into administration and became a principal wow. and a vice principal. I mean, a vice principal and a principal. He is currently retired from that, but uh, joining me and helping various people in our current community and the surrounding communities. Wow. Wow. And, and Gary? Well, I'll say when we... Uh met debbie met me at this place i was building finishing up and she was this beautiful woman who uh was also doing some modeling and somehow we were able to connect and married a long time and after the kids were at a certain certain age i can't remember what age but they were older debbie went back to school and has now been practicing as a therapist for a long time now working with in the back country with all sorts of people and I've retired education except for doing some substituting, but we did start a nonprofit called with a little help from my friends. They were the last words Connor spoke and it's a nonprofit just getting our feet wet with it. But currently I have some of Debbie's uh, clients and another therapist who need extra help besides therapy. And I'm learning a lot of new things. That is remarkable. It's really, isn't it, isn't it wonderful to be making those connections? And then, of course, well, you could talk about what happened with Connor and how that affected your ability to be able to reach out and help other people, but then having that need yourself. How, how did all of that work for you in terms of support? 
Wow. Well, that's um, a big question. Go yeah. wherever you'd like. <laughs> when you first mentioned it, I just think about how difficult it was when Connor first got sick because he was going through a tough time in his life, and he just abruptly one day got a, a really bad headache. And we did everything we could to support him as he was going through that and encouraging him to go to the doctor or chiropractor or massage, uh, whatever he felt inclined to do. But as it began to interfere with school and work, we found ourselves encouraging him to go back and then taking him to the ER. And once the it was an, we discovered it was an aneurysm after he had his first seizure, and by then it was actually a, a little too late to do much for him. But one thing I will say is we felt very much loved and supported while he was in the hospital. And I think it was about three weeks that he was in there, and we had the best doctors, the best nurses, and family and friends, and our, we felt supported by our community. But I think after he passed, and Gary might have a different version or perspective, but I just feel in some ways like uh, Gary and Carly and I were all feeling a, a little lost, a little unanchored, and I think we all began to see what what purpose Connor played in our lives. And it was, it was like we all lacked direction and there was just a huge hole and a whole lot of pain. Of course. And then we had the pandemic come up within four months. Yeah. Cause he died on November 1st and, and come March, I think the pandemic arrived and in some ways for me with my line of work, it saved me because it gave me a focus, you know, helping other people and, that's always a whole lot easier than focusing on yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was opposite for me because they shut down all the schools and where I was working. And and we live in a very isolated area, which I love. But, you know, I felt a little bit alone. But I just started walking seven, eight miles a day up in the mountains, just feeling bad, just lost. And uh, I started hiking in Yahaw, which was one of Connor's favorite trails and mine. He's close to our house and constantly. And then I started getting an urge to write. And I ended up writing a book, but uh, it was more for the grief, I think. And yet I'm about to start writing again. But this time it will be from the perspective of where I'm at now. Wow. And so there's a whole process that happened from that very beginning to now. You know, as as you're talking, I'm feeling Connor, and Connor, oh, he's hugging you both. He says, you always left room for him. When you went out walking, he would walk with you, you know? And he says, it isn't like you have to do anything or try and do anything. He's just with you, and maybe part of being isolated, and of course, the COVID thing going on at the same time, gave you the space and the availability. He's laughing and he says you would have been available anyway to him, but it took away some of the distraction, which in some cases he says could have been absolute torture. But for him, he feels that it gave space for him to just hang out and be present, whether you were aware or not. And he says he's laughing and he says he understands and he says that, oh, the collaboration. For him, the collaboration was happening all along, but he loves for him the different things that would happen with your collaboration. Like, Dad, you would go out somewhere 
and he would be up there in the mountains. He'd just be looking around. And then you would start to, he, he says, almost just start talking or chanting or dancing around or just like you would just have this moment of freedom. And he says it was almost like you were dancing with each other. Do you remember that? Yes. Um, and you used to call it dancing and I was spinning something I learned down in Teotihuacan and uh, Connor's the only other human being that spun with me back when he was 18. I started doing it again after Connor passed with the pandemic. There was no one in this whole mountain. I mean, they closed everything down. So I'd hike up with my dog and Connor and we get up to where this special places that Connor knew about. And I would spin and dance and sometimes throw rocks and, get mad and sometimes the Connor was with me that's what I felt oh yeah he's he is so happy and he says whether or not he wants everyone else to know when you do things like that whether or not you're aware of it whether you can feel it or not to not be so hard on yourself they're with us and a reminder that Karen yeah he he wants us to know that Michaela his his pal right here her her, her mom Carrie, and I'm sorry, I'm just like, everybody's talking at once out there, and they just want to say a simple thing so we can get back to what you're saying, is that Carrie has reminded us that awareness of the connection is the connection. We don't have to do anything. You don't need tools. You don't need other people. You need your intention and heart. And Connor is saying, we're here. We want this. We want this. You give us space. In the intention, we travel at the speed of thought, and we are with you. He also started to laugh as soon as you said, well, you said dance, but it's spinning. He says, don't you realize, Dad, because we're the only ones who did that together. You and I did that. Um, I used the word dance in case you wanted to be discreet and not put it out there. But I'm really, really, really glad you did. Because there's something in that when you throw yourself off balance, you regain your balance at a higher vibration. And it is, they don't want people spinning until they're falling down. Well, maybe, but he says it is one of those ways that again, health-wise, if you're okay to do this and in the right vibrational and mental state, it can just shake things up enough so that you're just on a higher frequency. So it could be a fine tool, but it's interesting because even in the sharing, he left it up to you if you wanted to share that. And he's really glad you did. Yeah, that that is, and you know, I love telling the story because it, you know Connor was there with me, and uh, it's just something that we uh, hold together. It's wonderful, and I still do spin almost every day. I go to that top of the mountain now. I wow. still do because I enjoy it, and you know, it's sort of a ritual, and I always include my son in that. Wow, um, um, somebody else is poking their head, and when we do this. You know, a crowd gathers, as you know, and if there's something they want to address that they feel could be helpful. So there's a young man who, oh my goodness, well over 20 years ago, um, he channeled into his friend to please tell his mother, because his, his friend would go to his mother, and he says, we all sit in the kitchen, then we all go to the cemetery, then we all come back to the kitchen. And this this guy was like really happy in the kitchen. He said, can you please stay there and not go? I really would rather not go. And and we please stay in the kitchen. They have absolute preferences. They might not, this isn't everyone, but this kid, he didn't want to go to the cemetery. Let's hang out. The kitchen was his happy place with the good aromas and his mom. So he wanted to stay there. Now you, God is laughing, you, you do the field trip. 
And it's wonderful, the things that we've done together. And they're saying, if you want to stay in the kitchen out there, some kids are saying, make the things we like. It might be hard, but you want to lure us in. We love, you know, smell of cookies. Absolutely. But when, when we share something with the direct idea, he's saying, of collaboration, it's gifting us. And it isn't about, again, like we've talked about, fake it till you make it, but awareness that the desire is there on his end to share this because he's laughing and is saying, what would heaven be if I couldn't be with my parents? I love them. I would not be okay. So the awareness is a gift to me. And that way it bounces back and forth off of each other and it raises the vibration. So he says, it's, it's really weird. He says, you know what? It's, of course, of course. And we talk about this all the time, the grief, we miss the hug and all of that. And we don't even mean to diminish it by using words like all of that. There are no words to describe all of that. And yet he's talking about, I just got a shot of energy through the right foot. And, and it's interesting because a lot of kids want to teach that if you're listening and you get a shot of energy just shooting out from your toes on the right foot, maybe they're teaching you what direction to go in. And they love when you share and talk about it. When you share, I know that Debbie talked about somebody who couldn't really hear it. And they're saying, that's okay. You know what? If the time comes that they really have that need, they'll get the help they need. And it's okay. It it doesn't need to limit. Oh, he's laughing. He says, it does not change or limit limit your reality unless you agree with that. And how can you agree with it when it is not literally your reality? How have you found that it's changed, Deb, your, your, and only if this feels comfortable for you, go in whatever direction you'd like, Connor is laughing. He says, you're not somebody we can corral, you know where to go. And I, I'm just thinking about how expanded your reality is when I know that both of you dealing with everybody in day-to-day life, but also in your work. Do you feel Connor with you when you're working with people? Frequently, yeah, and there's more of a a ritual about it, and at times I feel like I have to rein it in a little bit, because if it doesn't call for it, I don't share, I just feel the presence. Right. Over the years, and I actually think that Gary and I in general started off kind of with a spiritual relationship that wasn't based in any religion per se, and therefore we don't fit with the normal language of a, of a church or religion. And I think a lot of it just has to be with being of service and being present and so forth. What that means is that when somebody asks a question that you have an answer for, you do it. But sometimes you're just, I think I said this last time, just kind of planting seeds and encouraging people to be open, to be hopeful, to connect with nature, to connect with other life around them, other beings, other animals. And we are fortunate that we live in a place where there's a lot of open land and lots of animals and Gary and I in particular have really connected with the birds since Connor has passed and we feel like he's he makes a lot of efforts to uh, say hello and good morning and good afternoon and whatever else by way of birds for us and that's always a beautiful experience that we we treasure and are they tweeting in the background there, or is that my imagination? Because I'm hearing them. 
Well, <laughs> they always are, but I have to say it's a little chilly up here today, so all the doors and windows are closed. Okay, so I'm just, I'm hearing chirping, and I, I just love the birds, and Connor is saying, and, and I know we've discussed this before as well, you know, birds and butterflies, and they, they are higher vibrations, so they're easy to align to play with, but of course it has to be good for them too. You know, and, and they do, it's, it's wonderful being in a place where there are so many birds. So Connor is busy playing. We had one pretty young guy, I think he lived in Brooklyn, New York, and he talked to his mom about how he would bring in, I mean, there were pigeons, but then he got really into squirrels and that's what he would bring, you know? So his, his mom would be really excited about that. So you, you have to work with what's available, but living in the area you do, it's really magical. And he loves orange birds. If he can find something with a little stripity of that orangey red, he brings it in, yes? Yes, and especially red-tailed hawks. Ah. Also, uh, a red-breasted hummingbird that's I'm with all the time up at that circle. It's green on the back, and it has a, his neck is red, yellow, orange. It was just it's iridescent, and I just feel Connor every time I see this bird, which is like once a week, I think. Well, it, and it's so funny because Connor is laughing. He has so much fun. He says, again, he, he's not in the city. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure this kid picks the prettiest squirrel, he says, but we have so many birds. I'm like going through, yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. You, you're too brown. Or, you know, it's hilarious. We want those colorful ones. And it's a little bit, he says, but now he's, he's decided he's just going to include them all. And the thing is, he's saying other than the individuals, a couple of times you'll get a little swoop from a little group. Yes? Yes. yes. And he's, he's having so much fun with that. And of course, he's flying with them. It isn't a horror movie where they take over and they become possessed. It's that energy together. It's the same vibration. He's kind of flying with them. And it's this joyous, joyous exchange. And of course, it raises your vibration and reminds your heart that Connor is still manifesting here in the physical. And that's, that's continuous. Now, he says he also wants to talk about the fact that you both talk to him and you talk to him. This is one thing he wants to really help. Don't forget, he's helping a lot of kids help their parents learn how to communicate because kids get, it isn't that they're not okay out there. Of course they are. And they can see us. They don't miss us the same way we miss them. And they want to get through. So when we say they're frustrated, does it mean, you know, they're fine. They're fine and they know that there is no... You know, of course, there's the physical transition, but they're not separated. They know we're going to be together. So they're not worried about that. But what they would like, of course, like what you've already established, is that, again, what we say, that collaborative communication. So he's thanking you because he, he says that both of you, you talk to him out loud at times, but you'll also, you've gotten used to... Um, and almost taking responsibility the way you would here, but it's almost like more freedom than if you were in body. You know how you would look at each other and you'd have a moment, like you'd be out or something would be going on, you'd catch his eye and he would speak volumes if he agrees, disagrees, let's get out of here. You know that, you know what we do. And he loves that. He loves that um, commiseration kind of thing. And you still have that going on where Oh, he says it isn't that, you know, both of you are polite and you wouldn't roll your eyes, but dad, you'll hear things sometimes and people talk and you won't roll your eyes, but it's just like, you'll think like, you'll just connect with Connor. Like you're looking at each other's eyes 
in that same familiar way, but not moving a muscle so that nobody knows that how you're communicating. You get what he means? Yeah, yeah. And that feeling is still there as far as he is. He's not trying to, you know, coerce you, but he says he still has that because you direct that energy to him several times a day, yes? Yeah, yeah. regularly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's an inclusiveness. It isn't that your whole life is spent you know, just you're out and about. And don't, don't forget, of course, connection with all that high vibration is what raises us up, the connection to the earth and the beauty of the earth and hugs and people. And yet you're able to basically make your way and find a balance of inclusiveness where he's with you day to day. And it's the acknowledgement that helps you and raises the vibe, but he wants you to know how much it helps him and he's just showed all these kids and young people, and, and not so young people that are a little even older than him even, but that need that because, you know, you're still my parents. I could be, you know, when I'm 100 years old, you'll still be the parents I came through. And it's that acknowledgement is so important. And it's so interesting because he wants to bring up an interesting concept for so many of the kids who are so desperate for their parents to connect and collaborate, they want to make sure that it's a healthy thing. You know, force it, we have kind of a mirroring effect. And you mentioned Carly, and Carly is Connor's sister. Um, you know, so often the siblings that are here, they're going through so much. And, you know, of course, we want to acknowledge that as well. And, oh, they, he had an agenda. He had something he wanted to say. And now it just, I felt it just kind of opening up he, oh, in the way that a sibling who is still here on the earth plane might not feel comfortable bringing it up because they might make you sad or upset and, and trying to compensate, it's the same way for the kids that are out of body because if they want to collaborate with their parents, there's a part of them sometimes that that feels like it's rocking the boat and maybe they should leave them alone. And of course they also feel at the same time, and Connor is adding, but the parent isn't necessarily feeling that way. They would love to feel that. But everyone, in a way, because of how our culture looks at things, there's hesitancy on both sides sometimes that it might cause more pain or disturbance or or grief. And, you know, I, one thing I've heard so often, and you can tell me how you feel about this, is that, you know, so many people who have not had, or the kind of experience you have, they're afraid to bring up the name or to bring it up. And, you know, I hear from so many people, please do. We're not, you're not going to upset us. It's in us all the time. You're acknowledging a part of us and, and someone we love. I think it's so important. So even he's hugging you as we're talking and he says, mom, just psychologically think about it. Sometimes these kids out here are watching us and saying, well, how can I get my parents to do that, but without rocking the boat so much that they can't function? You know what I mean? And so that's why it's so important to talk about this, because the conversation itself is the connection. It's so funny. They just said on their end, when we talk about the connection, you know, awareness is the connection. Our awareness, and you're talking about the awareness of the connection, is the connection that's helping these kids on how to best connect with their parents. And Connor says, you got it, right? <laughs> Definitely. That is pretty magnificent. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and I think in our culture, um, and something that I wasn't even aware of before, but I almost think that a lot of people really want to pretend that person is gone. Oh, we just saw had a big hawk fly by the window. Um, (laughs) But um, I think a lot of people kind of get stuck with the sadness and and there is a lot of sadness and a lot of pain but I think people are afraid to be perceived as having a mental illness perhaps you know like I'm talking to somebody who died or I'm talking to somebody who's passed and they think maybe they're a little nutty or people are going to question them and I have to admit Merle and I was afraid of that when this podcast came out but I know it's time for me to come out of the closet per se and talk about this because I do believe it and I've always believed it. But I think a lot, a lot of people think their loved one is gone forever and ever. And we just had a lunch with my cousin whose husband died. I think it was five years ago or nine years ago or something. And she never talks about it. And she was somebody who was there for us. I mean, she talks about him passing, but never really talks about him like he's still around. And she doesn't want to hear about any of this stuff, but I really kind of even felt this urge from her, or this urge from her husband, shall I say, to send her the book. And there's another friend of mine, and she lost her husband, and I was encouraging her to listen to the podcast, because it helps so much to to have something to listen to that you've, the work you've done, that provided so much comfort because it's hard to think of a relationship being gone. Even if people believe in life after death, some people just believe there's no connection until we're on the other side. So it's such a, a relief and a comfort to think we, we have that connection now and we can benefit from it. And, and Connor is saying thank you, and it isn't just the connection, it's in real time. He knows what's going on now, it's collaborating now, and it's... It's I, me personally, I can't imagine life without it. And, you know, it's funny when you're talking about coming out of, out of the closet and out of hiding about this. It, it's interesting because we did, and Hector here, who is, is our tech who did, and, and, and dear friend who sets up all our podcasts and edits, thank you so much. He set us up to, the studios were closed during COVID, so we recorded the audio for the book in the closet in the house. And it it just really cracked me up because I remember feeling that way as a kid and just like I would be seeing so much and God, if I tell people, and it's it's amazing. I was just telling somebody yesterday about this really wonderful medium from Long Island and and, and got, you know, older older men now, sorry if you're listening, Psychic George, um, and, and he's somebody I have great respect for and I saw him when he was touring back in the day. Um, but initially, he was put away, so to speak, because he saw and heard things until he was able to prove the truth of it, and they got him out. But they decided he was mentally ill. And it's, it's something that, you know, through the ages, people who 
had continuing relationships. It was either exonerated or, you know, you burned at the stake or whatever happens there. Um, Though I don't know that that's what happened in Salem and we're from Boston, but, you know, that's another whole story. At any rate, (laughs) I digress. Yes. People look at you in a different way if they think you, you don't have all your marbles. But I have another question for you. When you make that decision to not hide, for everyone you think might look at you that way, do you see around you the people that you realize you're holding out that branch and giving permission? No, I didn't realize that. I I realized I was doing some healing work because I can feel like the childhood bullies, you know, and, and, and doing things despite what they say and despite criticism. But I never thought about paving the way or holding out a branch, so that's beautiful. Um, well, that's your son. That's all from your son, you know. I, I can't take credit for these things. But he says it, it's it's really a continuous... He keeps using, and I know I, I repeat it so often, but it's collaboration. He says, okay, now let's move on from that word. And he's just grinning at the two of you. And it's, it's consciousness, but it's also a willingness. He says it's daring. It, it's, it's daring. And he says, because a lot of people think about when people would really go out on a limb and discover things. And we have lots of examples where people, People are not going with it. Um, it's, it, it's interesting because Connor says, well, you know you're helping us, but how does it open up your world? So you have, here's, here's an interesting thought that he'd like you to share because he feels that this would really help the kids out there who are expanding and their relationship with their parents and loved ones who are still in body. How do you feel it's enhanced your relationship of course it has with him, and you could talk about that, of course, but do you feel it's enhanced your relationship in terms of compassion, even for those who are not as open, but has expanded you to look at the people who are in body in a broader fashion? Most definitely, yeah. I don't even hesitate to say yes, because you look at pain and suffering differently. Yes. Uh, and even if somebody's not ready to to look at things from a broader perspective, there's a lot of compassion. And I'd even go so far as to say, in addition to that patience, you know, that if they're, they are not ready to arrive there, we're not going to press the issue. We're going to be who we are, but not maybe not as boldly as we might if they give us a little bit of a leeway or a little opening. Right. Right. No, I, you see, it's, you know, that's, it's so respectful, Um, you know, and, and I'm very respectful also for where somebody is and I might see things or whatever, but you know, where somebody is, you know, it's interesting because one, once in a while I'll be directed to go up to a stranger and say, oh, you know, your mom is here, your your son is here and they'd like to say this to you. And I, I commented to Harry, my husband recently, you know, which recently, I probably do it every once in a while about, wow, it's really cool that people don't just like push me and go crazy lady, go away. But then I channeled in, we don't send you to those people, you know, so we're, we're directed. And so Connor is hugging you and he wants to say, you know, once in a while, whether it's with work, it isn't like he's taking over. I mean, you know what you're doing, but when you feel him with you, Every once in a while, he's like, you know, yeah, let's share. But once in a while, hesitancy is okay, too. That's okay. Go with what you're feeling. 
But I 100% agree, put something out there. And if somebody feels it's useful at some point, they'll pick it up. It's always planting those seeds. And when they say you're never going to see the tree, but you know, you're planting the seeds. And and it's for whenever people want it with great respect for the reality that they're having. Okay, having said that very politely, Connor's laughing and laughing and he says, and then you want to flip the pancake and shake people up and go, okay, listen. So yes, we need to be very respectful, but you still want to slip a note under the door and it's up to them whether or not they open the note. We don't have to bang them on the head, but let's keep slipping the notes under the door, not because we think we're right or know anything but because love continues. And if we're lucky enough to know that, I think you kind of said it and and he says you kind of worded it in different ways. Just be that love. Just be that love and help people not be frightened. I think every time you bring it up, you're giving permission for people to not be frightened. And, And I've mentioned before, I write what I do now, now that I'm old and, you know, um, on what I do on, on medical forms and things like that. And, it, it's just, I haven't gotten the, your, your crazy thing. It's like, oh, can you see this one? Or I had this experience. It feels like it gives people permission. Right. And I just filled out a medical form and put that I have two children. You do. Of course you do. I already said on the form that my son passed in 2019. But I, and I didn't have to say, but I almost said, you know, on the one on earth and one on the other side. Figuring when I do the intake with this doctor, it'll probably come up, and I'm not going to shy away from that. You are so right when you mentioned the culture about pretending. How do you live a whole life? It seems like such a cruel and nonsensical thing to to be expected to behave that way. It just it doesn't make sense. And then the person could, you know, somebody could justify that kind of thinking and say, well. It's not current. There isn't a current relationship. It ended on the day of transition. And if, if I could, I really wish you could see in here, there's a cacophony of pots and pans and bells and whistles and instruments and every noisemaker and yelling and screaming. We're here, we're here, we're here. So you can't negate one whole side of the equation and say, well, you know, they're not here. That's a slap in the face to them, they're saying. And Connor says, you know what every parent knows. That's not true. You don't negate it because of an event on a certain day. And, and think about how absurd that would be to say to your child, if, when they were in body, we don't believe in you. That's how absurd it is to even say you don't believe your child on the other side. That right. They're gone. Is that, and I think a part of our consciousness, our psyche, or our higher self knows that it's ridiculous, absurd to think of our child. Like, I think you talked a lot about, you know, like mom and a mom giving birth. That just doesn't disappear. Right. Love doesn't disappear. Of course, the, the consciousness doesn't. As a culture, we want grief to be like a certain period of time, maybe a year. We worry about too much sadness. And I think sometimes we censor our own selves because we don't want to make other people sad. But I know Gary and I are both at this place where we cannot not talk about Connor. And Connor says he wants to mention a, a word that rhymes with his name, and he says it's honor. It's honor. And he says, he, now, when when I channel, they can, you know, my brain's open and they can pick up anything, and he just pulled something out of there. Um, whenever I see something, like an, like a varmint, you know, that's, you know, road roadkill, okay? 
I, I don't know why since from the time I'm a kid, I picture whatever that varmint is, but, you know, somewhere deep in the forest, it's mother giving birth and licking it or whatever it is. And I just honor that and I wish it goodness out there, wherever it is. And I noticed the other day I was driving and I noticed, you know, on highways, it'll have the, you know, whatever memorial highway. And I thought of the name and I realized that each time I think of that name and I think of the parents, I'll start to cry. Just think of the parents giving a baby that name. And then I just feel like, you know, it isn't like I'm personally connecting to that person or asking to, or they're, you know, I I don't go around trying to pull people into channel. It's, you know, it's very spontaneous unless somebody is asking and I focus on them. But it feels like just an honor, a way to honor. I, I never understood really why people wanted their names on buildings because I felt, well, they, they want to pretend that they're not transient and we are. But now I understand it's honoring so that people will remember, you, you know, that the name, let's talk about it. How can that reality shift in such a short, in, with, with a transition? It's downright impossible and it doesn't make sense. And Connor wants to add, especially since we're spiritual beings who are living inside a body, it isn't the opposite. We're not, con- our, our existence is not contingent on the body. The body being animated, of course, is, but the soul's existence is not contingent, which we'll all find out when we transition back home. And again, having a body is a very wonderful thing, and we choose, we're pioneers, and we come in to do a lot with it. But it's amazing because he says, you know, you were soul family before he came in, and you're still soul family. That connection is there before he's born. But having had that time and body, to negate that while you're still in body is completely absurd. He knows it's an, ups- an uphill battle. And it doesn't have to be a battle. But the thing is, as you are going through your own healing, which has to be an uphill battle, because it has to be. This is, Connor, so very difficult. It's also, oh, showing somebody with a Sith cutting through the really tall grass, making a path, expanding so that we can share, because that's what it looks like to these kids out there. It also seems like a really good time to add, um, because there are a lot of kids here mentioning it, there's a really great group called Helping Parents Heal, which is a non-denominational group for parents, and there's groups for siblings, with the one reality that kids continue and the relationship is ongoing. So there are places to connect to and, you know, have, have that reality. They have compassionate listeners and they offer mediums basically, you know, many nights of the week. There's something to hold on to when you feel that untethered feeling that you were talking about. Connor says, you know, what you are doing is all that stuff, you know, talking to me, all the things that are the reality of how you need to be comfortable in your reality is acknowledging me. Can you imagine being a kid that isn't told goodnight anymore? And again, they're okay because they're with you. It isn't like you're not torturing the kids. They're all, but when you throw that in, they know you love them. But when you act with that reality, it's, it, Connor says, it's just a little bit cozier, isn't it? And then there's room to grow with the collaboration. How has that, oh, he says, it, it isn't even a question. He wants to say, and he's going back to Gary with da- dancing out there. Don't you feel that when you're dancing and connecting those feet on the earth, 
you're going sky high and connecting with me higher and higher up. And aren't we expanding? Yeah, that's why I do it most every day. I am purposely expanding. Uh, I call in my son. I wonder if Connor knows, you know, uh, where I spin is is where 11 firefighters died in uh, 1956, and they made a memorial for them. And I have connected with them, Marilyn, uh, while I'm spinning also. I don't know if Connor feels that or under. Oh, anything. yeah. He's, there's three of them who are showing up. Ah, because I know. Uh, and they were backcountry young men who perished in a crazy way. But that place called Inyaha is how all firefighting changed because after that fire and the 11 men died, uh, the U.S. Forest Service created the 10 standards of firefighting that are still used today and all over the world. And it came from this fire that uh, at the place I spin at. So it's sort of significant because of those oh, 11 yeah. men did perish. Yeah. That's incredible. So it's already a place of healing, collaboration with those who have gone out of body. It's magical there, Marilyn. It's really, well, yeah, and got to be there so much. I go there a lot. Wow. And uh, it, it just feels very comfortable to me. And before I first take my first steps, I'm always calling Connor in, let's go. And uh, that's how it feels with me. Like, I'm not alone at all. You're not alone. And I'm he- hearing from one of the firefighters that Connor's youthful exuberance and your acknowledgement of his exuberance and the reality of it as it courses through your veins literally while you're dancing has helped to heal them. Oh, that's wonderful. And, you know, and of course they're healed. Are you, can we say, are they not healed from the 50s? No, they're, they're probably doing exactly what they need to do. Are they trapped in that space? No. But is it a powerhouse of healing that they can revisit and become strong? Yes, indeed. Absolutely. There's no such thing as coincidence. But it, it doesn't, we don't want to give anyone the wrong idea that they're trapped there. You know, there are horror movies who knows what things are based in. It does not feel like that's what's happening there. Something so good came from this, and it feels as if there's a platform of consciousness and expansion to help others. And Connor's laughing. One of the firemen just put his arm around Connor and said, um, isn't this basically your son's wanting to do in life is making this place better with music, with stories, with talking, and he's hugging you and hugging you as he wants to tell you that Michaela, his sweetie pie, her brother, she has she has one sibling the way that Connor has one sibling, Carly, and that her brother is a fireman. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and it's really funny because the connections were made out there. Obviously, I didn't I didn't pick it up at all. And you know, part of what I the mantra is help me to accept what does come in, what doesn't come in, because they go with their timing, not with hey, give me everything to tell. Um, they're laughing, and it's interesting because they Connor and Michaela are saying that they're very much aware of the firemen there and again I me Marilyn I didn't pick it up until you spoke of it but it is a really magical connection because Michaela is very very of course very protective of her brother and wanting to help with all of that and has her love wrapped around him and when you know sometimes 
it's it's just a guy thing, she says, but sometimes she's dancing too with the love of those firemen to make it better for everyone because he's one of the firemen that these new things have been protecting. Isn't, isn't that something? Yeah, and Connor's best friend, Cody, who spent a lot of time at the hospital with us, is a firefighter and an EMT. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Just had, he's, since Connor has been out of body, he's had two children, and they're really beautiful children, and uh, one of them is about a few months old, and the other one just turned two, and I don't know, I can't feel Connor's presence when they're around, and the little boy just adores Carly. But, yeah. Uh, oh, it's it's interesting, because, you know, he can see, he can see, he can see. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and most kids, I think all kids. I mean, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but what I from what I hear out there, and you know, we all have that when we come in. But yeah, there's such a connection. Wow. Um, he's he's laughing. He Connor says he, he one thing they love to share with us, and this goes for you know grandparents who go out of body that you know we feel badly that they might be missing out on seeing the grandkids. And what what we're missing is seeing their faces and their reaction, but they talk about that they get to play with them and be with them and be, a, be an influence before they even come in. It's from their arms to ours. And so Connor is saying that that baby that came in, that, you know how Connor would have, I'm not so much remembering this, although, of course, I, I've met Connor in body, but he would give you that kind of, yeah, he says, this is the look that's safe for the parents mostly. When he gives you that sideways, cocked eyebrow, head down to the side, like, really? But still respectful, but really? You know, that kind of look? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I forgot even the context of what he was doing, but he's doing that. And it's interesting, in this community that we, li- we live in, there have been a lot of kids that have passed. And as I was driving home today, I came across one of those Adopt-A-Highway signs uh, in honor of one of the the kids that passed and I think it was shortly after high school it was a classmate of Carly's oh Gary is talking about doing an adopt a highway sign for Connor to honor his memory and let people know you know that we're still thinking about him and I think that's a wonderful thing in the nonprofit. that's a really really wonderful thing and and I think it helps raise awareness because it's true it's like you know there's the name and, I, and, you know, and again, flashing back to, there are people who talked about, we shall call her, him, this. We shall call them this. It's think of what goes on, what, what all of that. And, and it's honoring that. Yeah. And it's, and it's an honor. Connor says it's an honor to hear his name. You know, he, he loves that. And so he just wants to reiterate what a comfort it, it is in whatever way you feel moved to do that, everybody, you know, people might have a different idea of what brings connection and joy. Um, he also wants to bring up something that Debbie, you mentioned before, and I have another friend who's mentioned, actually two friends who've mentioned this before, um, and all of them have sons who are out of body, um, that they can only take extremely happy events for so long and then they need to go off by themselves a little bit and balance out. Right, right. And that makes so much sense that how you're living here in the physical plane has to change 
to accommodate because when there's so much going on and if especially joyful, whatever it is, and it gets very peopley, um, being able to just download the reality of, well, Connor's with you, but just, I don't, I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? I mean, I would just think it makes so much sense to have that need. You were, you were very helpful to me last time because it was especially difficult. God, I can't even remember which holiday it was, but like my um, nieces, gosh, there's five new, I can't remember how many new grandchildren of Gary's brother and his wife, but just hanging out with them, there was a certain point when I, I really, I thought I was feeling a lot of sadness and for what, what will never be with Connor and 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 I hate to say it at times may, may not ever be for Carla either because I don't know she's got her own free will but and and then you encourage because I kept thinking about where Connor was at, at those ages and how much I loved biting his feet or giving him a raspberry on his belly or tickling him or talking to him and watching him grow and and I guess it's bittersweet and uh, you kind of encouraged me to to take a break and maybe go to retreat to the other room and, you know, talk to him and be with him. And that feels really wonderfully comforting. And he, he's hugging you and he says, mom, that's what he needed too. And, and then you're both kind of balanced to keep going and to share the joy. It isn't that you're not sharing in the joy of others, kids and grandkids and all of that, but it's acknowledging the reality that we have that. That is us. We did all those things. And, and I'm yours, you're mine. And going back to the, the truth of having two children. One is out of body now, but you, you don't negate. And so in the same way of saying two children, going in the other room and having a moment with him, where, again, it, he says, yes, it's bittersweet, because when you have those thoughts, he says he can taste it. He can taste those raspberries and the way that, you know, <laughs> Baby toes smell, you know, that sweet little, you know, until we get into the stinky sock stage, he's saying. Right. And he says, yeah, you know, you wouldn't do it when I was 17, you know. And he's laughing and he's saying, but you see, when you do what you think you need, rather, he says, what I want everyone to really, really hear, and the kids out here to, to know, when you're doing those things that you need, and he wants the other parents to hear, hear when you do what you need, you're helping us. It doesn't have to be thinking about what we need, talking about what we need. You did that while we're alive in the body. We're alive out of the body. Acknowledge what you need. And we need each other. And that's the bottom line. And you don't have to decide how you're going to do it, what you're going to do it. Because as his pal Michaela's mom says, again, <laughs> you know, we can repeat it a million times because it is so true awareness. It's the awareness. So you're going into the other room just to be with him, whatever the thoughts are, whatever it is, whether it's letting out grief, whether it's to cry, whether it's to laugh, and whether it's to just say, holy what moly, I think I'm going crazy. He needs that too. And again, we're not saying that kids are not okay out there. Of course, they're in the light. They, they're with us. But when you take care of what you need, it's not selfish at all. It aligns. And you know what? As somebody who's out there helping people, Deb, wouldn't you find that that's one of the biggest therapeutic things that, you know, I, I know I know from therapy, it's like when you really focus on 
You know, I, I was taught to assume what other people need, take care of it, whether they liked it or not. And then, of course, what went with that, with the road to hell is paved with good intentions, because it might not have been aligning. And so when you, when you just let it go and see what aligns with your need, you'll usually find that there's alignment with you. Yes? And you allow space for those things. Exactly. He just yelled, bingo, mom, bingo. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And no denial of the feelings or the pain or the bitterness. It's just letting it all kind of be. And realizing that just because there's some adorable children around and you're sad at the same time doesn't mean these things can't coexist. Right, exactly. There's still appreciation and wonder and whimsy and, of course, the pain. Right. And so how they're putting it is, Connor, is there anything he he wants to put out? He wants to ask if there's anything else you'd like to share because then he wants to put this out as an invitation and then do our little mantra of protection to invite anyone who's listening as we sign off to just go right into it and go wherever they like without any idea of where, how, just the commiseration, just the allowing and the space. So is there anything you'd like to share before we invite everyone in for that? No, I think that's, that's a good place for you to do your wonderful thing. Um, and, and both of you, Gary, too, Connor is thanking you both because um, he, he's, he's having so much fun, and sometimes it's not fun, obviously, because it's, it's hard. He doesn't want, you know, he says it's very, very hard for kids to know that their parents and their siblings are grieving and that, you know, of course it's not their fault, but they feel, you know, it's, and, and so they're very invested. They want us to be okay, but allowing it to be, just be and, and allow, he says, is the thing. And there'll be moments of, he says, and forgive me, he says, he's talking to all the parents who might not agree, but he says, along with the deepest grief, sometimes that commiseration and that knowingness can be bliss. And don't measure, just be. So take a deep breath and just allow yourself to be. We clothe ourselves in a robe of light composed of the love, the power, and the wisdom of divine consciousness. We wear it not only for our own protection, but also so that those who see it or come in contact with it will be drawn to divine and healed. And in this space, you are in the light And everyone that you're inviting in is in the light on the highest vibration with the highest intention. Take a deep breath, relax, invite them in and know you've got this. It's your birthright. It's your soul right. And it's true. And you're surrounded by love because those who passed, they surely, surely, surely are present. Until next time. Thank you for sharing this energy and space. Together, we collaborate, raising the vibration for all. I'm Marilyn Kapp, author of Love is Greater Than Pain, and you can find me at marilynkapp.com. Remember, the healing continues with those who are past yet present.
since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.